From the studios of KPFA in Berkeley, California, it's Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. On today's program, we bring you part two of a two-part special highlighting the 60th annual United Farm Workers Gala, which took place on December 8th. All this coming up straight ahead on Flashpoints, right here. Don't go anywhere. seen that and there were so many of us who spent so much time pushing for AB 2183 how many people were there along the march at the capitol writing letters voicing their support that was friggin amazing I've never seen anything like that whether it's a cross solidarity with unions with our community, with what we were able to achieve. And speaking of cross-solidarity with unions, can we give a big shout-out to the servers today from Unite Here Local 11? I'm so honored to be in a union hotel, because we'd be in no other place than a union hotel. So thank you um, for everybody tonight who's helping contribute to this. But as we move forward, and I can hear all you all in the back there, so we're going to shh. You don't have to listen to me, but you got to listen to the next people. It's important to me. I hope you enjoyed what you ate so far. Um, it's my honor now to give special recognition to Helen Chavez through Andres Chavez. For those of you who don't know Andres, during the UFW March this summer, Andres mobilized support and logistics, especially on the incredible last day in Sacramento. Andres is a leader who is dedicated to involving a new generation, a younger generation, into a nonviolent action and learning the lessons of his grandfather, Cesar Chavez. Ladies and gentlemen, Andres Chavez. Thank you, Lorena. Um, on behalf of my aunts and uncles, my cousins, and all of us in the Chavez family, we want to thank President Teresa Romero and all the UNFW members for honoring my Nana Helen this evening. You know, the memories I share with my Nana aren't from her days of organizing or running the credit union or being the surrogate mother of the farmworker movement. They're of her being my Nana. I remember the countless days we spent with her after school. She'd sit on her sofa watching novellas, eating hot Cheetos, and drinking a Diet Coke. And we all knew that before 4 p.m., and in between, before, in between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., not to bug her because that was her time. This time of year also especially makes me think of 
our annual tradition of making tamales on Christmas Eve. Now, my nana ran a tight ship, and she oversaw the entire operation, and if you got out of line or you weren't doing your job, you could expect to see some malas caras or some dirty looks from her. Or one of my favorite stories of all time, involving a former cousin-in-law. She hadn't, met much, she hadn't spent much time around the family, and it was a hot summer afternoon, and she decided to offer my nana some grapes as an afternoon snack. Poor decision. My nana sternly looked at her and said, I haven't eaten a grape since 1965. I remember the last few hours of my nana's life. We were surrounded by family and friends at a hospital in downtown Bakersfield. After we learned of her passing, we were at peace because we knew she was no longer suffering and that she was going to be reunited with my tata Caesar and her daughter Lou. As we were leaving the hospital, a young TV news reporter approached my dad and asked him for an interview. My dad did the interview and then we went to a nearby restaurant for dinner. Over dinner, we shared stories, laughs, and cries about our Nana Helen. And about halfway through the dinner, my dad interrupted the conversations and said, you know, that reporter said that behind every great man, there's a strong woman. That's bullshit. Your Nana didn't stand behind your Tata. She was always by his side. My nana and Tata together made the decision to give up a comfortable life and move back to Delano and return to the fields. They knew there would be no paycheck and a lot of sacrifice and that she'd have to go back to tolling in the fields alongside my older aunts and uncles to feed the family and so that my Tata could buy gas to go out and organize. My nana said, we didn't have anything to lose anyways, so what do we have to lose now? Sometimes in the early years, my Tata returned home demoralized after days on the road. Not having recruited anyone, he felt alone, with no income and a wife and a big family to support. He didn't know whether he would succeed after all the sacrifice that he was putting them through. And in his journal, he wrote, it's hard. My Nana would say, Caesar, you have to have faith in God. What you're doing is right, and I know you'll succeed. The very next journal entry... My Tata simply wrote, spoke to Helen, I'm ready to go back out. Hmm. My Nana was his greatest confidant. She was his peace of mind. He would not have undertaken this work of organizing if he knew he didn't have 100% support or if he knew it would jeopardize the children. And all while raising eight children and others, my my nana played a significant role in the formation of the union, most notably when she asked the question, are we a union or not, when they're debating whether to join the Filipinos on strike in 1965. It was also then that she took over running the Farmworkers Credit Union that went on to lend out over $20 million to farmworkers and their families. And even after my Tata's passing, she continued the work that they began. 
When President Obama came to the Cesar Chavez National Monument in 2012, he paid respects at the gravesite. And walking away on my president's arm, on the president's arm, my nana, who never spoke in public, put President Obama on the spot and asked him, Mr. President, you promise you'll do something on immigration reform? Yes, Ms. Chavez, he replied. I promise I will. My nana also authored an online campaign in 2013 asking journalists to stop using the I-word, illegal, to describe immigrants. More than 55,000 people signed it, and she even got the Associated Press and most major newspapers in the U.S. to accept the change. And even when she was laid up in the hospital, before she passed away, my nana, who was disgusted with Trump, said she wanted to record a radio ad for Hillary Clinton and have it aired on the Radio Campesina network. Up until the very end, my nana's commitment to others was constant. And so it's not only true that my nana stood by my tata's side, but oftentimes she was out front. Thank you all very much, and que viva Helen Chavez. How wonderful was that? Women in this movement have changed everything. Can we give a shout out to Helen Chavez? Kaviva. I'm excited to bring up another woman who comes from a labor movement. When um, we were pushing for unions to stand side-by-side with the farm workers in this march. The carpenters' unions, especially the Southwest carpenters, were there for us. It's my pleasure to bring up Jovan Johnson, the leaders of the Sisters in the Brotherhood of the Southwest Carpenters, to give a few words. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the introduction, Lorena. My name is Jovan Johnson, as she said, and uh, our executive secretary treasurer, P. Rodriguez, regrets that he could not be here tonight. But that's okay. Don't panic. He asked me to pitch it for him. I'll do okay because I currently identify as Pete Rodriguez. So you might be in good hands. Listen, uh, but on behalf of our EST Rodriguez and the nearly 70,000 men and women across 10 states that make up the Southwest Mountain States Regional Council of Carpenters, I am honored to be with you tonight and speak. It is one of the most important things that we can do in the labor movement is to acknowledge trailblazers, acknowledge people that came before us. In the Carpenters Union, sometimes we say, especially the sisters in the Brotherhood, we say we stand on the shoulders of giants. And I think Andres spoke to that tonight. If Pete was here, he would ask right about now, is there labor in the house tonight? 
Make sure you tell them that I said that, okay? I got bills. I'm especially grateful to uh, join the United Farm Workers and the entire labor community in celebrating the women of the labor movement. It gives me great pleasure to lead the sisters in the brotherhood with the Carpenters Union. It is not always easy, but I remember why we do it, especially knowing that people came before us to make the road just a tad bit easier. Right. As organizers, we've learned that our collective power grows enormously when we include everyone in the labor movement. As a 19 year veteran of the Carpenters Union, I can tell you for a fact, for an absolute fact that without that culture of inclusion, I would not have experienced the many successes that I was able to experience. I will be forever grateful for those that came before me to make that passage a little bit easier. That's why it's so important that we have programs that enable and assist women that want to do the hard work. In the Carpenters Union, our apprenticeship and training program has what we call BOOTS, B-O-O-T-S. It stands for Bridging Outstanding Opportunities with Trade Women Skills. What it does is it's a four-week pre-apprentice program, and it empowers, it assists women that decide that they might, they might want to be union carpenters. Even if they don't, what we care about is that we help women that want to do the hard work. We help them get out there and join, grow their communities, first of all, their families, but their careers in the middle class. We push for that. We call it community wealth. And it it matters. I was speaking to someone earlier this evening, and I said, when you work close to home, you can develop the communities in your home. What I've learned about the UFW is that you migrate a lot. What we need is to push for things that will allow you to stay close to home. That is the goal across the country, not just here in Southern California. It's important. I feel that all of us in this room tonight can understand the CSIP way. We, it does what I was saying. I grew up in Southern California. Right, but I moved to Southern Nevada, so sorry. (laughs) But I grew up in Southern California back in the 90s, and so I'm very familiar with the movement. And I'm so, so grateful that the UFW stands so strongly and believes so strongly in that community wealth, in empowering everyone, every single person to have an opportunity for economic advancement. That's what we're about. That's what we're about in the Carpenters Union, and I know that's what you guys are about, and everybody that's part of the labor movement is about that. Tonight, I'm honored to be joined by two of the women that encompass that movement, that growth, that desire for greatness of women. Our Boots instructors, two of them are here tonight. Jenna and Rosie, can you please stand, sisters? Thank you. Thank you. They do the hard work. 
I just give the speeches. I just, I'm just Pete Burrings. So for those of you that know the Sixth Street Bridge, there's no accident that the Sixth Street Bridge had an entire crew of women build a main part of that bridge. We are very, very proud of that. We're also very proud that next year at our local 323, we're going to have our training facility be a, a recruitment center. It's going to be used for boots, but it's also going to be used to recruit women in historically underrepresented communities that want to be part of our union. It is the first, it's our first training facility located in southern Los Angeles. We're very, very proud of that. It's specifically designed for that. And it's part of our belief that everybody should have an opportunity, but sometimes they don't know those opportunities exist. So we bring the opportunity to the people, and I think all of us can agree with that tonight. The UFW represents the best part of the labor movement. The idea that opportunities are for everyone. We have to continue to stand together. But I can guarantee you one thing. The Carpenters Union will stand with you. We've marched with you before. We've stood with you before. We believe in you, and we are here with you. You can count on us for that. So I'm going to wrap this up, right? Tonight on your 60th anniversary, I congratulate you. I congratulate each and every one of you, especially the women, but, <laughs> but each and every one of you that has done the hard work. Your, your culture of inclusion and opportunity bleeds over, and it's something that we, in our, in our culture, as part of the Carpenters Union, is something that we believe in as well. I thank you for allowing us, with the Carpenters Union, to share this evening with you. Congratulations. Thank you, Javon. I just want to note something that I've been especially proud of this year was the number of unions who, in extreme solidarity, decided that the farm workers' plight was their plight. I saw earlier tonight Frank Lima, the secretary-treasurer of the International Association of Firefighters here tonight. I loved seeing firefighters along the march supporting our farm workers. I saw Jeff Fridas, the head of the California um, Federation of Teachers, here tonight. Our teachers were there. And as we know, the nurses were there, the social workers were there, the construction workers were there. It was an incredible opportunity this year to see the solidarity in the labor movement as the farm workers reaffiliated with the AFL-CIO, the State Federation of Labor. Um, I kind of like that, being the head of the State Federation of Labor. But it was, a, it was a, um, something we worked on together, Teresa and I, but also something that came from our unions who wanted some extreme solidarity. So thank you for the carpenters, and thank you for all the unions that have provided support this year. And sometimes it's not just unions that provide support. 
So we're excited when companies are willing to do the hard work and actually intentionally reach out to farm workers, and we had this this year with AT&T. Lupita Sanchez Cornejo um, is the representative of AT&T here in Los Angeles. She's worked with Teresa to set up scholarships for sons and daughters of farm workers to learn science, tech, engineering, and math in the Salinas Valley. It's my pleasure to bring her up tonight and to thank her for all her work to bring um, money to those farm worker children, Lupita Sanchez. Thank you for that warm welcome, Lorena. My name is Lupita Sanchez Cornejo, and I'm happy to serve as a gala co-chair and to represent AT&T here tonight. But beyond that, I stand here tonight as a daughter of a farm worker who worked in the Central Valley in the 1960s, a daughter of a woman who is and was and has been a union member for 35 years working in a factory. And the wife of a man who is here with me tonight, who has worked in the fields as a young man, and really I should say as a young boy, because we were trying to figure this out, and he was 10 or 11 when he worked in the fields. And before that, his father was a 42-year railroad union card member. It is my honor to join you this evening as we pay tribute to the heroic women who have paved the way in critical roles to build the United Farm Workers. Every American worker, whether a union member or not, has benefited from the work of the labor movement and all these women. It was labor who helped create workplace safety standards. It was labor who helped raise the minimum wage. It was labor who fought for reasonable hours, safer working conditions, and maternity leave, a privilege that my children and I enjoyed. These women, past and present, have built a strong union dedicated to producing a safe, and just food supply for us. Tonight, we also celebrate 60 years of this remarkable organization dedicated to improving and uplifting the lives of farm workers across California and our country. This summer, in the middle of some of the hottest temperatures that our state experiences, the UFW had supporters who marched for 24 days. They had 7,000 people join them this summer. Yes. This pilgrimage from Delano to Sacramento had thousands of people marching 325 miles in support of the the Farm Workers Voting Rights Bill signed by Governor Newsom into law. Si se pudo. And many of the people who marched are here tonight. And so I applaud and celebrate you. This victory is an example of how the UFW has fought for those who are overlooked in our society. The immigrants, the poor, the essential workers who have brought food to our tables. 
If you had breakfast today, thank a farm worker. If you had lunch today, thank a farm worker. And if you are enjoying your salad, your dinner, and your wine tonight, thank a farm worker. Their work has had an impact on all of our lives. The work of the late Cesar Chavez, Arturo Rodriguez, Teresa Romero, and the UFW has gone far beyond improving the lives of farm workers. It has improved the lives of many Americans, especially those of us who are children of immigrants. It is because of their work and the social changes that they have fought for that I'm able to stand here on this stage with you today. My parents had a first grade education in Mexico, but because of their struggles, sweat, tears, and their hopes and dreams, that I'm a first-gen graduate with a master's from USC. And that I have the opportunity to work for a great company. AT&T is one of the, is the largest employers of union-represented employees in America. We are proud of our long-standing relationship with unions, including CWA, IBEW, and the Teamsters. Our unionized employees are key to our success. And as we continue to build America's infrastructure and bring connectivity to communities across the country, we are partners in this together. On behalf of AT&T and my colleagues here with me tonight, Adrian Quintanilla, Vice President and General Manager at AT&T, Susan Santana, Vice President of Legislative Strategy, it is our pleasure to support the work of the UFW. And with that, we also have a purpose, and our purpose is to bring fiber and 5G to our communities, and we will do this together. Mil gracias y adelante. Wonderful. Thank you, AT&T, um, so much for your support. We have some entertainment lined up now. Is Richard Montoya here? I will now read a passage entitled The Walk, a spiritual quest for humanity through the California fields of misery, a Gavilan's eye view of the UFW's 2022 pilgrimage by Miguel Gavilan Molina, who's present here with us tonight. Berkeley's KPFA radio legend and lifelong activista, chronicler of La Raza and farm worker. Day 17, Friday, August 19th, Modesto Tumanteca, 17 miles this day. 6 a.m., campesinos are walking slowly, like shadows to the mist of morning dew toward the gathering area. 7 a.m., we're having cafecito, pan dulces, donuts, burritos con huevos y papas, and someone yells out, ¡Sí se puede! And the group collectively responds, ¡Sí se puede! 
I pull away and face the rising sun. I raise my fist at the soul in defiance and yell, Aquí estamos! Bring it on, son! I return back to the group. I notice a small group of campesina women coming towards my table. I rise and take off my hat to them and gesture for them to sit at the table. Behind my Ray Charles sunglasses, I can see las mujeres are grimacing with noticeable pain. They proceed hobbling and limping their feet and legs battered and shredded, yet with a smile on their faces and their dark eyes burning with the relentless determination to reach the Capitolio at whatever cost. Bandaged, taped, and wrapped, they are presente. One of them, Lourdes, I think, the eldest of the group, is it the silent concrete pillar of determination. Patricia, always with the welcome smile, is a bull of strength amongst the group. Her fierce eyes hide a sadness that I can see. She reaches out and gives me a hug. Cynthia, a stone-cold homegirl, tattooed, pierced with jet-black eyelashes and red lipstick, ready to throw down and yet always with a smile and laughter that is music to the heart. One hell of a tough woman. No se raja. Her feet cut and cracked. She continues beyond the hurt. I'm so fortunate to be chilling and walking with these indestructible women. I tell Cynthia and Patricia that if and when they can no longer walk, I will carry them on my back if necessary. I then take my hat off and salute them. As I look around to see Maria go off by herself, putting distance from the group. She sits on the ground and hand rolls a cigarette old school style. Slowly drags on the frajo till a burning red cherry appears at the tip. She sits quietly and rubs her legs, calves, and feet while silently suffering. These women in particular remind me of my own jefita, determined, relentless, and pushing through pain and hurt with quiet suffering. From time to time, especially during breaks or at the end of the day, some of these mujeres would go off by themselves so no one would see them watery-eyed and suffering. Too many days on the 18-wheel semi-trucks dangerously and cowardly rumble by inches from our bodies, men, women, and children, but another vibration could be felt also from La Madre Sangrada, Mother Earth, letting us know she was with us, her sons and daughters, perhaps walking wounded, yet our heads never bowed. A collective spirit and fire in our hearts define los elementos and the soul itself with meditative, trance-like prayer and our ancestral chants against all odds. We continue on to Sacramento. Thank you, Miguel Molina for your gift of critical observation and empathy. Gracias. Oh. Oh.
Jorge. Jorge. Descendant soy de los de abajo, arrastrándome voy por la vida, y arrastrado fue mi padre like his own before. Except that mine compounded the grief by abandoning his land for another so foreign and at once so aching as to be painful. Como él, I have dragged myself and soul in some unconscious, instinctive search for the splendor de los templos del sol. Y por donde me habría arrastrado, does it matter? Soy de los de abajo, find the gutters, the prisons, the battlefields, y los files de algodón, ahí me encontrará. Thank you so much. That was uh, Jose Montoya and my compadre Miguel Molina, who's here tonight. Thank you, the union, for having us. Teatro is an odd fit. We missed a few cues, but what's important came through, always comes through, and the words and, and the journey. Thank you, Irv. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Union Teresa. Thank you for having us. These actors made an honest wage tonight as actors, as craftspeople, as union members, all of us ourselves. To my right, professor from USC, Sabina Zuniga Varela, por favor. Tremendous actor, director, Gabby Maldonado, played Chavez Ravine at East LA College. Vanessa Calderona, Nessa, our musica, bajo sexto. Trina Calderon, a green farmer and a chef and a writer. Sebastian Hernandez, our Diablo, the thankless. And to the far right, our ex-Dodger executive, now Culver City marketing manager, president of Culver City, our Cholo. We just got Cholo COVID from Jesse Nunez. Gracias. Que viva la unión. Gracias. Let's take a bow. Take a bow. That was weird and beautiful, as is the whole labor movement, in particular, the farm worker movement. Uh, but a, a great introduction to what we're about to see now, which is a video highlighting um, three of the phenomenal farm worker women leaders uh, who participate in this march but also participated in growing the union for UFW. Catalina Sanchez, Olga Valverde, and Teresa Maldonado, all which will be honored tonight in this video. Ah, el sueño americano, yo creo. Querían más, más futuro para los hijos, yo creo. Uh, mi papá me trajo de que tenía como ocho años. Yo empecé a trabajar aquí, aquí en Soledad, 
a los 17. Tengo ya 48 años trabajando en la compañía donde estoy ahorita. Yo me vine para acá por necesidad, porque tenía yo a mis hijos. Era madre soltera y ya no me alcanzaba los gastos. Yo tenía que sacar todos los gastos para los estudios de mis tres hijos. Y por eso me vi obligada a cruzarme y venirme para este lado. Yo vine para acá por un futuro más mejor. Yo me vine a la edad de 14 años. Me vine por la razón de que había veces que en México no teníamos ni para comer. Cuando yo me vine fue porque un tío llegó de aquí de Estados Unidos y él miró el, la necesidad, la necesidad de mi familia. Este, cuando llegamos aquí, llegamos a una casa donde hubo una persona muy amable. Esa persona me, me, me ofreció estudios para poder yo trabajar, para poder yo estudiar y que no trabajara yo en el film. Pero mi tío dijo que no, que yo venía a, a trabajar. Yo no venía a, a divertirme. Está bien. Me pusieron a trabajar y estoy trabajando hasta el día de hoy. En el trabajo ahora, este, cuando está demasiado fuerte la temperatura, nos dan 10 minutos de, de descanso, más los 15 que nos pertenecen, nos dan 25 juntos. ¿Por qué? Porque ahora muchos se ponen de que han visto que hay personas que han muerto por la calor. No decimos nada. Porque yo también lo hacía, cuando a veces me sentía con dolor de cabeza, me sentía yo que no tenía yo ni fuerzas para caminar, yo no decía nada. ¿Por qué? Porque yo decía, no, ¿qué van a decir de mí? Que en veces te miran poquito despacio y ya te andan carrereando. Que apúrate, que no llevas cajas. La presión, la presión, te quieren traer como si fuéramos burritos, como que no descanses. Y no, señores, somos seres humanos. Donde trabajo ahora, pues, es casi lo mismo de tener, pues, tiene uno que levantarse temprano, ir a recoger, a donde te recoge el vas, tienes que ir al campo y en el campo, pues, ya empiezas a hacer tus labores y, pues, es difícil también porque es trabajo, son trabajos pesados y más lo que yo hago porque mucha gente dice que, que es pesado y muchos no lo quieren hacer. No me avergüenza porque es un trabajo muy honesto, pero es muy cansado, muy cansado. Ah, he hablado con ellos, les he dicho, mijos, este, miren el sufrimiento. El sufrimiento de uno. ¿Por qué? Yo... He perdido mis abuelos. Ya no los llegué a mirar. A mi hermana, 
que falleció. Y estoy aquí, aquí, firme para ellos. ¿Y para qué? Por eso yo quiero que de aquí a 20 años, por lo menos, no les digo que todos, pero por lo menos la mayoría de mis hijos se gradúen de algo bien, de algo que a ellos les guste, porque eso es lo primero. Para, para ejercer un trabajo te tiene que gustar. En nuestro trabajo ahorita no tenemos nada de unión, nada de contrato. Nosotros por eso somos, somos ¿cómo le diré? Unas personas que nos dejamos, bueno, la mayoría de personas que trabajamos en el FIL quedamos callados y, y nos hacen trabajar más por lo mismo, porque no tenemos contrato, no tenemos unión. Este, yo estoy muy agradecida con la unión. Porque sin ella yo creo que quién sabe cuánto yo hubiera tenido que pagar. Y pues no, la verdad, tener aseguranza es algo increíble. Yo por eso les digo a todo el que puedo que traten de agarrar su contrato, que traten de meter a la unión porque la unión ayuda mucho. Ellos son los únicos que se acordaron de nosotros en la pandemia. El patrón a mí nunca me dijo, toma una bolsita de comida porque lo ocupas, o te voy a subir un dólar más porque ocupas. No, a mí los que me ayudaron fueron ellos, con comida. Cada ocho días daban, tenías que ir a recogerla, pero sí cada ocho, cada quince, ellos tenían ahí su lugar donde ibas y te daban tu bolsa de comida, tus pruebas para el COVID. Máscaras, nos llevaban al trabajo, nos daban aquí. Así que, pues, yo lo que pido, lo que estoy diciendo es que la apoyen, porque sin ellos, quién sabe cómo nos hubiera ido. Ah, como es decir, yo antes, de, de lunes a domingo, yo ganaba 900 dólares, ¿verdad? cuando no teníamos contrato en la pesca de la Blueberry. Cuando se vino el contrato de la, de la Unión, el primer cheque que me salió fue de 1.600. Hay que ver la diferencia. ¿Cuánto es? Casi lo doble. Yo me involucro mucho en las marchas porque yo no pierdo la esperanza que... que va a volver otra vez otro César Chávez. Yo soy una voluntaria que siempre ando con la, con la unión, hasta siempre, hasta mi playera ando con lo de la unión. ¿Por qué? Porque a mí me gusta participar me gusta ser voluntaria. Siempre he apoyado a, la, a los de la Unión. Marché desde Leno hasta Sacramento. Fueron 24 días que fui a marchar. 335 millas. Hubo días que íbamos con los pies lastimados, llenos de ampollas. Y sin embargo, Muchos de nosotros caminamos, aguantamos desde Deleno hasta Sacramento. Días y días, nosotros no nos importó el, la calor. Había días que estaba la temperatura a 108 grados y así caminábamos. Nosotros no sentíamos nada sino el deseo, el, las ganas de ir caminando. 
de muchas personas que nos, que nos apoyaban. Muchas señoras, cuando yo llegaba al, a las partes que dábamos fin en la marcha, había personas que lloraban y me decían, doña, ¿usted cómo aguanta caminar? Decía yo, mis deseos es llegar a Sacramento. ¿Por qué? Porque yo quiero luchar. Yo estoy luchando con mi gente. Yo me propuse a salir y lo voy a hacer. Y lo hice. Cumplí mi promesa. Desde que salí, yo les dije, voy a cumplir mi promesa de llegar a Sacramento. No me importa cómo llegue, pero yo voy a llegar. Y llegué. Mi gente, doña Teresa Romero, el día que yo llegué a Sacramento y ella llegó, me abrazó llorando. Me dijo, Tere, lo hiciste. Mucha gente que me apoyó ese día. ¿Por qué? Porque yo hice lo posible. Ya tengo mis años. Tengo 61 años. Y sin embargo, yo le eché ganas a marchar. Salí adelante y por eso pido a la unión que ahora que que ellos han visto que yo le he echado muchas ganas al señor gobernador es lo que le pido que firme ¿por qué? porque somos mucha gente los que estamos sufriendo muchos campesinos que batallamos no creo que no piense nosotros somos los que prohibimos todo, la verdura la fruta si no fuera por nosotros no habría nada es lo que pasa you know when we started marching we didn't know what was going to happen when I started marching the first day it, it was an emotion, it was the insecurity, it was the fear of what we were going to do, whether or not we were going to succeed. But we all know that in the, within the UFW, we definitely had the Si Se Puede attitude. And we were going to do anything that needed to be done to be able to get the governor to sign the bill. We had President Biden supporting the bill. We had Vice President Harris supporting the bill. We had the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, supporting the bill. And we did not, we did not give up. We did not, when, when, we, when I would march with these uh, farm workers, with these women, and when they had the energy And when they had the, 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 they left their families for, for 24 days. They left their children. They left their income. And some of these women in some of these marches did have a, a, a union contract. They were not doing it for them. They were doing it for other farm workers in the state of California because they know the difference of having a union. The bill was not going to make it. 
Many times we talk about making it easier for farm workers to vote for union representation. But I think the best work is make it safer for farm workers to work for union representation. Because farm workers, when they, jo when they try to join the union, when they organize, they're fired. Many people have family members in the same farm, they're fired. There have been cases where immigration has been called and farm workers are deported. We can't continue to have that. I was, I was speaking at a, at a convention of another union before Gavin Newsom signed the bill. And at one point, uh, I was explaining to them the march, what the bill did. And one um, member of this union, you know, asked me a question and he said, what can I do? I'm not from California. And at that moment, all I can think was asking the question, do you eat? Because if you do, if you eat, I don't care where you are from, you benefit from the work that farm workers do day in and day out. You know, we, we last year, we did, I guess it's still this year, we invited um, all 100 senators to work in the fields. And uh, because, you know, they, they, they think it's just easy work. Anybody can do it. Only two senators agreed to do it. And that's, that was uh, Senator Alex Padilla from California. Yes. And Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey. And they did not do it for the photo op. They were there and worked, and they were on their knees, and they were sweating, and they were trying to keep up with farm workers, and they were not even close to it. But one important thing at one point, and I, I've, I've said this before, but, but it stayed with me. One, Senator uh, Padilla is on his knees trying to harvest uh, radishes, and he is having a hard time. And the worker who's trying to train him and try to teach him how to do it is efficient, is fast, and, you know, he does it as if, if, if it was the easiest thing in the world. And the senator looked at him and said, God, you're, t you're very good at this. How long have you been doing it? And, you know, the worker said, 50 years. And the senator, 50 years, how old are you? And the workers are 70. And he says, why do you keep doing it? Why don't you retire? And his answer was, you know, I work, I've been working, and I've been paying taxes, but because I don't have documents, I would never be able to collect Social Security. And he says, how, how long are you going to be working? And the worker said, you know, very matter of fact, I guess until I die, because if I don't work, I don't eat. And that is the reality of many farm workers in this country. When a worker tells me that they are essential workers, but they feel that they're treated as if they were disposable, it is something that nobody, no worker, no individual in this great country of ours should feel. 
but that is the reality of they that they face day in and day out. We just heard this from these ladies. That is happening today. When when we think of farm workers, you know, many people don't understand. Many consumers don't understand uh, what the work entails, how difficult it is. And I have heard from farm workers that they say that they feel invisible. But the fact that you're here today is a testament that you see them. They're not invisible to you. You understand the work that they do, how important it is, and why we need to make sure that they are protected. And a lot of the, a lot of the issues that we have is because the workers are undocumented. And that is the reality of things. And Arturo Rodriguez and myself and Diana Tallison, the, the executive director of the uh, UFW Foundation, we're going to be in Washington, D.C. Because we need to make sure that we do everything possible to make sure that we get the Farm Workforce Modernization Act to the finish line. Just think about it. Many of you are here with your spouse, with your child, with your parent. Farm workers, because they have been here for decades, they have not seen their child, their brother, their spouse, their parents, their sister in decades. And that when you have a farm worker that lost a, a, a parent, lost a child, and they cannot even go to the funeral, it is inhumane. And this bill would change all that. It would give the farm workers the security that they could be in this country without fear of deportation. We still have an uphill battle because we have not been able to get 10 Republican senators that would support this bill. That's what we need, 10 Republican senators to support this bill. And Arturo worked with many for, for a long time uh, negotiating this bill. And... We, we negotiated with growers' associations. We sat down at the table for months, and we're still fighting it. There is a person that is here with us today who has been um, a fighter for farm workers for, for, since I started with the union over 12 years ago. And she has tirelessly advised us, give us, uh, worked with us, and make sure that we do everything possible to make sure that we have a legalization for farm workers. And this is my friend, Andrea LaRue. And I wanted to thank you because you have been <laughs> instrumental on the, on the work that we do in Washington. And, and thank you so much. Um, hoy tenemos aquí con nosotros a mucha gente que nos, nos apoya, que apoya el trabajo de los campesinos, que sabe la lucha de los campesinos, que sabe lo importante que es el trabajo de todos ustedes, campesinos y campesinas. Tenemos aquí a los marchantes.
permanentes que nos acompañaron en el en, en mes de agosto. We have here with us the permanent marchers that I would ask for you to please stand up. All the, todos los marchantes permanentes, por favor, levántense. Quiero que los conozcan. Quiero que les demos las gracias. Please welcome them. Thank them for their sacrifice. Se puede, sí se puede, sí se puede. I know many of you joined us at one point or another. We had elected officials joining us. We had state senators, assembly members join us. And they were proud. Some of them were going to march for a day, and they were so inspired Like our, our MC tonight, our dear Lorena Gonzalez Fletcher, she can bike and march with us again. And for that, Lorena, we thank you because it was not just marching, it was what you did to get this bill to the finish line. Thank you very much. Arturo marchó con nosotros. Arturo marched with us and came all the way from San Antonio to join us at the march. And Arturo, you picked the longest days of the march. <laughs> um, and he's here today. He joined us again, Arturo and Sonia Rodriguez from San Antonio, to be here with us today. Arturo y Sonia están aquí con nosotros el día de hoy. Vinieron de San Antonio porque quieren celebrar a todas las campesinas y los campesinos que han estado luchando por este, por este uh, proyecto de ley, pero especialmente a las mujeres que estamos celebrando este año, donde cumplimos 60 años. Muchísimas gracias. Gracias por apoyar a, a, a nuestros campesinos y campesinas y gracias por seguir luchando para mejorar sus vidas. Sí se puede.